to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. All right, I understand Didn't See It Coming is supposed to be all about brands, but every once in a while, you run into an individual who has such an incredible story, such an incredible brand that it just demands to be heard. Damien Lupo is a person like that. I had the good fortune to meet him a short time ago and had a great conversation. And his story and his personal brand have truly inspired me. I hope that you find our conversation as inspiring as I did. Here we go. Yeah, I think I, I, in a lot of ways, I, I was what people were hoping to be, and I was, I was what I had looked forward to. I created something that was the vision I had when I was in my teens. I, I was looking for a lot of money and a lot of fame, and, and um, just because that's kind of what was supposed to be success. And when I went out into the world and cut my teeth in, in business and, and getting things, you know, creating things, I was creating a lot of, of money through my real estate stuff. And I did that without, with, with really no foundation other than more. It was kind of like the Wall Street, the movie Wall Street, where the mm-hmm. the answer for for the the number that would that would be the end was more. There was never enough, mm-hmm. and and for me that was what it was. So even when I became a multimillionaire, it was not enough. I needed I needed more, and it wasn't about creating more value to the world. It was just creating a bigger bank account. And ultimately, I think the universe disagreed with my plan. So I found myself flying off a cliff without a parachute in 2008, and and at that point I had to really f- when it, when I landed very abruptly I had to figure out what to do with myself and it and it took a number of years to figure out what is it that I need to shift about me because if I go back out in, into the world and do more and just think that, that I learned some lessons I'm probably going to end up with a very similar result uh, in a different color but something very similar so I had to. I had to rewire because I did not see that coming. I didn't see me going off a cliff. I just thought I'd have more and more Ferraris and more and more gizmos. And and that's not what the universe had in store for me. Now, it's funny because when you paint that picture, the picture to me is of a person who is looking for control, you know, because money buys control. You get to control your destiny more when you have money. But at the end of the day, it was exactly the opposite. It was spinning out of control. And that's when you were laying in the ashes of the ruins, you, you know, you rediscovered the martial arts because you've you've been practicing martial arts since forever. And and how did that suddenly dawn on you that you go, wait a minute, maybe control is letting go? How did that dawn on you? I, I don't know that my my brain was was smart enough. My my sophistication was there. I think the 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 fact that I was so lost, I was looking for something that was real, and and that's a different thing for all of us. The the thing that's really authentic and raw and and true. Because one of the question that I was I found myself asking is what is true. And the answer we didn't I didn't like very much. The the answer was, well, what you're saying outwardly and inwardly is not true. So you better figure out the real deep truth so that you can live from that and and not be living a lie. And the the place that I was pulled back into was was the dojo, was where I, I trained, and there everything is true. You know it's not true. You know you're in conflict, you know you're in a lie when your face is on the floor and you you, know, you have a bloody nose or or you're not present enough and somebody ends up punching you in the face. I mean, that's that's when you know you're not present. 
The interesting thing is that when you go deeply present, you almost go invisible because the tension gets released and and you flow. So to the extent that you can feel yourself dissolving, I think there's a there's a truth around being present and there's a truth around letting go and surrendering that is about the most powerful thing we can ever find ourselves going into. You know, it's funny. I uh, I have a hard time explaining that to people. Um, but I grew up as a skateboarder, and I still skateboard. It's, a, it's the most ridiculous thing for an old man to do, but, you know, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of the kids look at me, and they just admire me just for, for standing up, just for still being there, because I'm, I'm as old as a lot of their dads. And, uh, but when you're in a pool or in a pipe, and you're going really fast, and you're just one split second away from disaster, and it always hurts, it forces you to abandon everything that you're thinking about, and I call it forced meditation because if you don't ignore every thought in your head, if you don't clear your mind, you wipe out. Same thing with surfing, right? You abandon these things. And I think that is the thing about surfing where you have successful people giving up everything, buying a Volkswagen bus and just surfing their brains out for the rest of their life because there's that, that sense of flow uh, and letting go, that sort of forced meditation that happens when you're in a big wave that could crush you if you just start getting distracted and wondering about your mutual funds. Um, <laughs> and I think that's maybe so that's true. exactly the same thing, isn't it? It, it is, and it, it's whether you're you're surfing or I, I, I'm right now. I'm in in the mountains in Colorado skiing, and I haven't been on skis in 25 years. So one of the things I found myself doing was was attempting to stay upright. And, and the thing I noticed is that I, when I got distracted, when, when my mind went somewhere else and I, I wasn't present right with wherever I was, then all of a sudden I started to wobble and I had to get back present before I flew into a tree. And this has happened a couple of times. And it was just noticing that, that experience of, of being somewhere else and how dangerous it is because you collide with things because you're just not simply aware of your surroundings. And the and then the other thing I've noticed is is getting into that space of fear where you, we start to contract and and we're starting to squeeze around. We what happens is when we're we're in fear and and we're squeezing, we stop breathing. We we're all, we're holding our breath or we're we're putting our arms around ourselves to protect ourselves instead of being open where we can breathe. And it's the same thing when we're trying to protect our mutual funds or trying to protect our $4 million that we've we've saved up that we're told that we should save up and then we can retire. We're there squeezing and we're not allowing ourselves to breathe and be free because we don't trust that we can actually breathe and be free and go create anything. We're too afraid of losing and we can't actually be present to it because we live in the fear. Now, how does this translate? You've, you've, you've landed in the ashes. You've picked yourself up and you go, you know what? Here I am. I lost it all. I imagine that's kind of the feeling, isn't it? And and yet I'm not dead. Disaster didn't strike. I, I'm I'm still here. I'm Damien. And and now what? Did you you went back to the discipline, and then you incorporated into your life, and people started to treat you in a different way and see you in a different way. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, the the big one of the parts of that was I, I had to move through the space where. I, I became real because even after I'd fallen on my face, I wanted to pretend I was still in the same space of success and, and that I was still that guy. What I, what I realized after a few years was I didn't really want to be that guy. In fact, I had no interest because I didn't like that guy. It wasn't real. And, and a fascinating thing happened on the other side of, of this, the work that I did to figure out who I really was and what I really wanted to be in the world. I remember 
people that I'd known from years before, when I ran into them, there was this sense of, okay, who are we together? What is this relationship? Because I had shifted. And for the most part, those folks had stayed the same. And with one or two exceptions, the, the relationship didn't work and it didn't work because in the past I was, I was a lot of smoke and mirrors. And, and when I had shifted into this space of, of authentic and true and transparent, then there were a different group of people that wanted to be close to me and many from the past didn't want to be because they matched the smoke and mirrors. It worked because we were all full of crap. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the, now there's, there's the sense that if we're not raw and true and I, and I have this happening now where there's, there's some people that are not willing to be transparent and they're not willing to be really open and that doesn't work for me. So I tend to push away and they don't like it. It would have worked with me 10 years ago, but today it doesn't work. And, and that's, I love that because I have no interest in being around people that aren't going to be transparent and raw, whether it's in business, whether it's a customer, whether it's a friend, a relationship. And, and it keeps it really clean because we all know where we stand. There's not, there's not a game. There's not manipulation. And it's, it's how the company has been built too. the work that I'm doing. Everybody knows where everybody stands. There's no mystery. There's no side agendas or anything else. It just keeps everything very clean and clear and there's not tension. And, and when there is, I'm pretty clear that there is a problem with one of the values that's being violated. Probably somebody's living in fear and probably they're not being really authentic. You know, it's, it's funny. I, you and I talked about this before, but I think it was Uma Thurman who said, when you go to Broadway, when you go to New York and young actors come running up to you, she says they all, have, they all wear the perfume of fear and you can smell it a mile away and it's the most unattractive thing. And I imagine when you walk into a room you project this sense of uh, calm and, and control that must be almost like either a vacuum or a repelling force to people. If you're one of the BS artists, like we all are, that are all about scaling quickly and being kings of the world, uh, a force like yours must be very unnerving. I, I think, Mark, I think, it, I think it's incredibly unnerving for people that aren't used to that. They don't know what to do with it. And I think it almost sends people into a, a, a place of defense where they, they go, what's the, what, what am I missing? What's the, what's the agenda here? How do I, instead of realizing that what they see is what it is mm-hmm. and it's, but because people aren't used to it, they're used to all the different messaging that's going at them and, and dancing and, and being in this weird sense of survival, then they, they aren't used to this space of just openness and, and it kind of takes people off guard. And then there are the people that are absolutely attracted to that. Yeah, and they, they, go, they, 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 they just crossed over and they're just ready for it. it, it they're looking yes. for it, but they don't know what it is. You walk into the room, you're it, and you just attract them. Yeah, and, and it's the coolest thing when, when people, when those people show up because there's this, I, I've, I've done some work with, um, with people and sometimes it's partners and teams and it's, it's always interesting when I'm working with a couple of people and one person is really open and they're, they're ready to be vulnerable and they, they put everything out of the table and they say, okay, I want something different. I'm, I'm ready for something that isn't so jacked up and, and twisted and manipulated. And then the, the other person that's in the, in the business or the partnership or whatever is still playing the game. They're still wanting to posture and position and, and not be real and not say, okay, whatever it takes. And seeing that it's, it's crazy because I see both parts in, in doing this dance and, and usually there's there's only one result for that particular type of uh, partnership or things, but I, I see that sometimes. Yeah. Now it's it's funny because 
you described your business now because you you still help people make money, uh, but what you said you 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 said it was all about freeing people from bondage. And I thought that that was a very, very interesting thing, especially me as a brand guy, because you're always looking for the unique selling proposition. And to me, the image of freeing somebody from bondage of, of their finances is a very, very compelling visual. Tell me about that. How'd you come up with that? Well, it was, it was something that came up. I, I heard a term from uh, one of my, my business associates that, and, and she said, Hey, we're, we're helping to get people out of Wall Street jail. And I remember thinking, yeah, and there's this bigger thing. It really is the bondage of the financial system. And because there, I mean, there's two things that are, that really have this power over us, or at least we let have power. And that is, that's money and sex. I mean, these two things are really intense in terms of how much control they can have. And with the money stuff, we, we tend to be stuck in a system where we don't believe that we have control. And I fundamentally disagree with that. And I've, I've done enough in the past where I know that that's not true. So I have proof. It's not just a theory or an academic. And so for me, the work is all about empowering people with the idea that they truly can have control and then helping to build their muscle of confidence so that it doesn't matter to them whether they happen to have money or not have money. They have the confidence and belief in themselves that they can do it. And they don't need to rely on whoever gets elected into the next presidency to fix their problem. It doesn't matter if they hit 1 million or 4 million in their bank account. It doesn't matter if they make a mistake and lose it all because they know that they can go out and create it. And that truly is financial freedom. It's that confidence that we can create. Once we have that, we are free. It doesn't matter what happens in the world, geopolitically, financially, markets. It doesn't make any difference because we can step into the next day and go create it again. Now, you hit on something very important there that 99% of us ignore and walk right past. We're in the business of accumulation. You and I talked about this before that, you know, your wants become your needs. And as soon as, uh, as, soon as those needs are fulfilled, then suddenly there's that fear of loss. Uh, but there is the other side, which is how much do you really need? And if you don't need anything, if you feel that what you described, the confidence, then suddenly all that fear of accumulation just dissolves, it diffuses. And, you know, one of the concepts that you talk about when we come back from the break, uh, you talk about the diffusion of energy that is so core to Aikido. So let's, let's touch on that in, in just a second. Hey, it's Mark here. If you're enjoying this interview and you enjoy my podcast, you can do me a huge favor by subscribing on iTunes and leaving a positive review. Damien, we we just finished off talking about uh, the diffusion of energy that comes when you let go and this fear we all have. We're looking at the one side of the ledger where we're going. We just got to get, 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 accumulate, accumulate because we have all these wants that are now needs and now we fulfill the needs, we can't let them go because they're must-haves. But on the other side of that, if we let go, suddenly all those needs dissipate and, and we find ourselves in this terrific state of, hey, you know, I, actually I, I got everything I need. What, where did the $4 million thing happen? Where did that come from? Talk to me about Aikido and the diffusion of energy. There's a, a, a thing that happens when, when I work with, with students where we're, in, especially in the beginning, and this is really most people before they have awareness and presence around their money and their finances, they, there's this tension that happens where, where we're grabbing, we're holding, there, there's tension in our whole body. And what happens is we can't really see what's there. It's, it's the law of awareness. 
And and so if if we're holding on, like in the dojo where somebody's holding on to someone else and they're they're grabbing in there and they, they have that tension, all they are is stuck in that thing. And that's the same thing as if we're thinking about it, we need this $4 million, we need to collect, we need to accumulate because we live in accumulation nation. We're, we're going to have more and more of this stuff. So we're, we're just hell bent focused on that thing. And the moment that we start to let go of that, we see everything and we're actually experiencing a relationship with the world, with each other. We miss the relationship and, and that is where, that's where life is. It's in the relationship. You can't have a relationship if you're in, if you're pushing and pulling and, and doing this, this forced control. There's all this power possible with the confidence to be present. But if you're forcing it, you're missing it. There's a great book called Power Versus Force. And it's, it's that idea that when you're forcing things, you're missing out on the power. And when you let go and you surrender, whether it's the dojo or in your life, all of a sudden you find this power in being and you're a part of things. And everything there will support you. But when you're pushing and pulling and forcing it, you lose the control. And it's funny because we think the inverse. We think if I'm pushing really hard or I, I'm really strong, then I've got all this power. And really, we don't. It's, it's when you start to let go, you realize that you're, you're truly present. And then you've got everything. You don't, you're not living in the past or the, or the future anymore. You're right here, right now. And there's nothing wrong. Well, it's funny because it's, it's, a, it's a North American, I think, perhaps a, a Western way of thinking that it's the, the, the dominance of the will, you know, that, that you can will something to happen. You can subjugate others to what you want and you can dominate and it doesn't have a happy ending, but it still persists as our number one sort of our myth, you know, the thing that we aspire to, to be the king and you become the king, not by being loved by people, but by subjugating them and forcing your will. And uh, what is the feeling that people get when you're helping them uh, with their business and you expose them to this and they start to accept it? What happens to them? Peace. It's, it's truly, it's, it's peace. And, and you can see that it's the, the closest thing I think people have is when they, they go to a place like Bali or they go to a place. Uh, I had this experience in Fiji. You go there and this sense of peace overwhelms you you just you dissolve and and when when we do the work with people and and we open them up it's like they've they've gone into financial bali they just mm -hmm. there's this sense of wow there's there's no tension here there's this is this is almost too weird it's it's easy and it's and i i don't have to be wound up and and hurting and in pain and, and that's we just tend to live our lives like that we're it is about the domination and we've we've bought into that idea that by sheer force of will we'll get things done instead of allowing things to happen and going with the flow it doesn't mean abdicating responsibility it mean, it means letting go of of some of these ideas that have been keeping us stuck and entrenched and constricted you know you and i talked about this before but the whole bali thing cuz i spent quite a bit of time in bali um, and what I noticed was the, the folks there who are Hindu have a serious, serious interest in karma and reincarnation. It, it's core to their life. And fundamentally, what karma and reincarnation are all about is doing good to others because it'll all come back to you. And it comes back to them in the funniest way. It doesn't, you don't have to wait until the afterlife because if you're nice to people and you do things for them, you build a network of love and energy and, and, and you know, you, you're at a center of a wonderful universe. You've achieved what every multimillionaire dreams of but never gets to. And they have nothing. They've got 
a pair of surf shorts and a beat up old board. That's all they got. And and you go, wow, the world needs a little more Bali, doesn't it? It it, it needs a whole lot more Bali. And it's what what we what we miss there is that there's this circulation that happens and it's not necessarily a a linear thing where you're nice to somebody and then they're nice back to you. It is that karma. What what we've we've bastardized that into in terms of of Western ideology comes back to this idea of reciprocity. We we feel like we if we do something for somebody, then they'll do something back for us. And it's a very it's a powerful marketing thing. Robert Cialdini talks about this in his book mm-hmm. Influence a lot. And and instead of living with that intention, we're figuring out how to use that intention as a marketing message to get people to do things for us right back. And to me, you're you're taking away some of the magic of the karma. And trusting in the circulation of energy by showing up a certain way, you're saying, I'm going to get or take or pull or push somebody else using this, this beautiful piece of, of love that we can put out there. And I'm going to put that love on somebody so that they'll love me back with their money. I mean, that's what we've turned it into in a lot of times, a lot of ways. And I think we're missing the entire point of how valuable that can be if we live it. But, you know, it's funny you talk about Aikido, and that is taking the unexpected situation. You, you don't know what's going to happen in combat. You're, you're fighting somebody who is doing unexpected stuff. And let, you're letting go of control. You're letting it diffuse into the, the ground underneath you, into the mat. And your body just takes over. It's like Luke in Star Wars. And uh, I think that is the part of reciprocity like you said, that falls apart because you go, okay, I'm going to let go. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be kind and generous. Oh, and by the way, the clock is ticking and you're going to do something for me. And there it, go, there it goes again. You're, you're trying to gain control. And we have a real hard time uh, recognizing that by letting go of control, not expecting anything, that, that the universe behaves fairly nicely towards you. You do get what you want, but you have to give up that expectation of getting what you want. We, we do. This this has really so much to do with trusting and living on purpose and, and believing uh, that when we are on purpose, when we're we're living that way, that that the side effect is going to be all the the abundance and things in the world. It's the things that we spend so much time trying to get that the money, the power, the control, all of those things really are a side effect if we're living on purpose. And, and it's it's more important that in my mind that we we find that purposeful path and and the way to be than it is to figure out how to drive a bunch of dollars into our bank account which is unfortunately how many people spend most of their time and even if people say money's not important that I, I say I don't know if that's true because what do you do you get up in the morning and you go to a job you don't like so you can buy things you don't need and impress people you don't know I mean that's to me that's a little crazy mm-hmm and yet, we, it becomes our normal. You know, we talked about that uh, a while back where you said, uh, uh, you know, people live in the sense of uh, uh, regret of the past or, uh, you know, reg- yeah, regret and loss of what they didn't do in the past and constant fear of the future and completely bypass the now in doing it. And so they end up, you know, we talked about your dad, uh, you know, before he passed that, that he, he expressed this deep regret that he hadn't gone and done what he wanted to do and it must be an incredible feeling when you're working with people when they start to let down their guard of the fearful future and the regret of the past yeah and, and really mark that's that that there's a moment where somebody asks a different question and or maybe they just start asking a question and they they ask okay what can i do what can i shift myself into so that they're they're letting go of the past behaviors and habits 
And there's instead of looking at the future going, I'm going to run out of money or I'm not going to have enough or I'm going to starve to death or whatever. They, they start asking the question that's empowering for them to do something today. And they're trusting that that's going to drive and build a foundation for that future instead of being fearful and just being frozen. I mean, fearful and frozen are a very common combination for people. And even if they're moving, they're still frozen because they're so constricted and they're not really breathing and, and allowing themselves to be present. And that's where we find the freedom. That's where we find the confidence is asking a different question in the present. Now, you and I talked about this. Uh, uh, I told, I, I, I related this, this, this video. It was, uh, it's, I think it's on the New York Times or Herald Tribune video list where they do little lifestyle or little snippets of life videos. And there's one called Slow Mo, S-L-O-M-O, about a guy who was a crazy guy rollerblading up and down the boardwalk in San Diego. And they dug into his life, and turns out he was a famous heart surgeon with a Ferrari and the Porsche and the Infinity Pool. And one day he woke up and he said, you know, I've, I'm the classic definition of the American asshole. And he was in his hospital, uh, and he saw an old guy there, and he said to the old guy, how does a young guy like me become an old guy like you? And the old guy says, do what you want. Now, that is the most liberating and yet most terrifying thing in the world, because uh, most of us sit there and go, I'll do what I want once I get to a million dollars, once I have the mortgage paid off, once the kids are out of college. Um, now, what happens when you say to people, do what you want? All the rules come up, all of the beliefs, all of the fears. And some of it's funny that, that I, I see this consistently. People that have millions of dollars are still hesitating. They're still waiting. For those that are thinking once I have X, then I can live Y. What I will tell you is that if that's your philosophy, the likelihood you do it, you'll do it is about zero because I know people that have $10 million and are still waiting to have the moment, the key where they feel confident and comfortable. I don't know what that is because there's it more isn't the answer. It's more, more stuff or more, more money. It's, it's just trusting and it is doing exactly what that guy told the other young guy, do what you want. And when you do what you want, it's it's funny. I'm I'm out in the this little place in southwestern Colorado, and there are people that moved here, and it's a fairly expensive place for the most part. People move here because they love it, they love the nature, and they love the community, and they create their lives around that. They did what they wanted. They didn't wait until they had the perfect amount of $27 million in the bank and then they moved here. They did what they wanted and you can tell when you're around them and, you, and it's addictive and you just – you want to stay. So there's, there's a choice we make. Do what you want or don't live. I'm your client. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm suffering under the bondage of, of my finances. Uh, how do you help me? You know, because I, I imagine you don't just slap me in the head like a like a televangelist and say, "Devil, come out." Uh, it doesn't happen that fast, and if it did, it would never last. How do you how do you get me across the Rubicon to this place? The 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 question is, do do you want to be somewhere different? Do you want to do you want to live somewhere different? And it's really about the questions. It's about asking. Who are you today? What, where are you today? And what matters to you today? And so we, there's a lot of these questions to figure out what's really true. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're looking for is the truth. And and if if someone is open to being totally honest about where they are, anything is possible. The the person that's that's still hanging on or trying to maintain something in the past and won't allow themselves to be really honest about what's true. Like at one point I was spending $75,000 a month and I had to acknowledge that I was out of control. And, and 
until I was willing to do that, I couldn't change anything. The person that has the potential to be empowered and be confident and change their lives is the one that says, okay, I'm willing to answer the, the really hard questions. What is true? What do I not like about myself? What needs to, what needs the person that can step through the doorway into something totally different without being honest and being real about the truth, completely honest, there's no possible way. And they'd never be a client because I'm, I would only ever work with someone that said, okay, I'm ready to put it all out there. And, mm -hmm. and once we know what we're working with, we can absolutely change things because the ego starts to separate and the truth takes over. Now you've got a, you know, you've got a fantastic philosophy. I imagine you attract people because it is the law of attraction. We all want this thing that, that we haven't mastered yet. And I think you've got a, a very, very cool thing. Um, where does it go? Is it, is this something that tends to, to build new businesses for yourself or do you just let it flow where it goes and, and, uh, just keep up your, your, your current business? Do you, do you see yourself growing and, you know, franchising this thing, scaling it? What's going to happen with it? The, there's, there's something that's really funny about being in a space where my, my intention is to free people and to inspire people and all sorts of unusual and almost supernatural things happen. The, the business will do what it and at the same time, a dear friend of mine came to me and asked me to be on the board of directors for something called the Global Women's Foundation. And so I'm able to share me with that. And this is a, a group of millions of women. It's the biggest conference that's put on in the world in California every year. And, and so I'm able to influence that by showing up and giving the best of me. So this is me letting go. I have no idea where that goes. And it doesn't matter because I can I, I trust that there's there's going to be a positive impact for that. And and there's there's a leverage point with somebody that's putting something together, orchestrating, and I can give my best to it. And then all of a sudden there's a ripple effect. So the businesses, I, I'm not forcing a business. I'm I'm inviting people to join me in the in the business and, and join me in, in the work I'm doing. Whatever form that shows up, it doesn't really matter. It's really just maintaining an authentic essence with, with whatever I'm doing. You know, because it, it seems to me that once you free yourself from the calendar, that's probably one of the fundamental first steps that you, you're not so worried what's going to be coming down the road because it will come. Right. That's it. That's freedom from the calendar. When, when you get lost and, and you don't know what day it is and, and you don't really care what month it is, what season it is, it's part of life. It is truly freeing because you are so present. You don't care. It's when you've got your thing, your life totally mapped out and, and you're, you're looking to the next thing and the next thing you miss the days that you're actually living in. <laughs> what an awesome philosophy. Damien, thanks so much. Thank you, Mark. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast for brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. 